Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now, it's Gabe time. Gabe Kuhn. Gabe Kuhn was one of the great little trivial nuggets in all football bios. His grandfather was the inventor of the Easy Bake Oven. Like a boss. The best lineman on the radio. Well, the only lineman on the radio. It's Gabe time. Game time. We're ready. The Gabe Kuhn Show. 92.9 FM ESPN. Happy Friday out there, August 11, 2023, and welcome in to the Gabe Kuhn Show. I'm your host, former Memphis Tiger offensive lineman, Gabe Kuhn, on Twitter, on X, at G underscore Kuhn 71. I'm alongside the executive producer of the Gabe Kuhn Show. That'd be Connor Dunning on Twitter, at ZDunning929. Connor, what's the word, brother? What's up, man? You doing well? I'm doing all right. Yeah. Did you stay up till 11:30 watching some preseason football like me, or no? <laughs> I was I was up watching <laughs> something, but definitely not preseason football. I had to hold on for Holt Nailers. Everybody knows Holt Nailers, except for you, maybe ECU. Great, okay, he was there off, for five years. First off, how dare you? How, how dare? <laughs> out of the gate, just insulted me. Out of the hey, gate. No, I'm today, not insulting man. you. I'm just saying I'm the I'm the insane person. I. I Do you want to know what I was up watching last oh, night? What? I was watching the eight mile final <laughs> battle raps. No. And then not only did I YouTube? watch those. Yeah, of course. Oh, and God. then but then I had to watch people reacting to the eight mile battle raps. I wish I was in the theater for that. I bet people were losing their minds. You're insane in your own right. Of course I am. Yeah. I'm just football. His new uh, new diss track's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty pretty pretty, good. pretty 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 good. Oh to Larry David, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I did watch a little bit of uh, Curb too. Uh, Curb's a nice little Relaxer for it, me one, of, one of the best ever. I also think he's right in most of the circumstances. <laughs> I agree most, with him. Most, most of the time. Most of most. most. Not all. Not all. Most. most. I, I watched one yesterday where he was t- this this woman. She said her uh, her father died two years before that, and he just goes, "Oh," and she was wanting like some sorries from him. It expired, and he, and he goes, "Don't you think the sorry window is expired? The window is expired." <laughs> The line so do you cutting? think he's right in that in that case, in that sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think probably within a year, maybe a year and a half. It depends on how close you are to the person. I don't, you don't know, know about, person. I don't know about that. If somebody says their father died, I don't care when it was. I, I'd say, sorry to hear that. I'll give it. I'm I'm sorry. Didn't but didn't he? He was like, oh yes, yeah, sad. He said no. He said, said oh. Oh, he just <laughs> he said, just oh. said oh. oh. I would give it like a oh sad or I'm sorry, and yeah. then and then move on from there. But it doesn't need to be any more than that. But we have a three hours of talk on the way, courtesy of ninety two nine FM ESPN and yours truly, and I plan for it to be pretty, pretty, pretty good. <laughs> um, We're as, silly on a Friday here. As far as guests <laughs> are concerned, 
per normal at 5 o'clock, Jeff Calkins will join Jeff Calkins Show and Daily Memphian columnists. And then 6 o'clock, we saw C.J. Stroud for the first time last night. Kinda. Not so great. Not so great. He had two drives. He threw a pick. <laughs> he didn't look great, but I, I think there's some reasons for that, and I don't think there's any panic alarms that need to be pushed. But DJ BNMA, um, good friend of mine, um, based in Houston, ESPN Houston Texans reporter, AFC South reporter, he covers the NFL as a whole. He will uh, join at 6 o'clock to talk about what we saw last night. But uh, also, we do have the FedEx St. Jude Championship rolling along. Lucas Glover in the lead at 10 under. Jordan Spieth still hanging on, right? Still doing a really good job. He was 2 under, 2 under 68 for the day. He's at 9 under. Sung J M, uh, Tommy Fleetwood uh, in a battle for third right now at 8 under. It is oppressively hot, by the way. I don't know if you saw this, but I believe it was Harris English's caddy had to be taken off for heat exhaustion. Today. Yeah, we're under a heat advisory yeah. right now in the city of Memphis. It can feel up to 115 outside. And Lucas Glover post uh pass. Post round said he didn't get that get he said he didn't get that wet in the shower this morning. It's <laughs> talking it's, about his round. It's so hot outside it makes me angry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear that. I hear that. But uh also on the show today, we'll hop into the blitz around 6:30 and I a lot has been made around the Memphis football team going into this year after two six and six, three and five in conference years. Um, and there's been sort of this overarching conversation about how much do people care? Is there a lack of excitement? I'll tell you how you should feel at six thirty. I'm going to tell you how you should feel about this season and heading into year four with Ryan Silverfield. I think uh, I think people will be sort of in lockstep with me once we get there. Um, also, we are going to uh, talk about the Pac-12. There's more developments about what they thought they were worth in media rights talks and what ESPN offered them and their discussions back and forth. ESPN ultimately said goodbye once the Pac-12 made an offer back. So uh, there, there's more developments of the Pac-12 basically showing they're behind and ultimately it leading them to having a pack four at this point. So we'll discuss that um, on the show today. And small talk, of course, at the bottom of the second hour. Had to start with NBA Christmas Day games for 23-24, according to Shams Tarania. We have five different games, of course, starting from morning all the way into the evening. Bucks at Knicks is one. I can deal with that. Good Eastern Conference matchup. Knicks were very close to being in the Eastern Conference Finals. Bucks. Giannis Antetokounmpo, Chris Middleton, makes sense. 76ers at Heat. Heat were in the finals. 76ers still have a, a, a boatload of uh, talent and su- superstar power with, with Joel Embiid. Makes sense. Celtics at Lakers. Historic. Cool. Mavs at Suns. Interesting with the Mavs, but Kyrie Irving, Luka Doncic, move the needle, and we know the Suns are going to move the needle this year. Then Warriors at Nuggets will basically wrap up the festivities there. And most Grizzlies fans and... Grizzlies media have pointed out, no Grizzlies. (laughs) No Grizzlies after last year being in a Christmas Day game. And people will point to the fact that there was some Draymond Green, Grizzlies beef going into it. Maybe that added to it. But that that was decided way before all of that spiraled out of control. Now, I don't want to have you think anything different about what I think. Don't make a mistake. This is a punishment. This is a punishment. I don't know about what you think, Connor. Are you, are you there with me? Are you in lockstep? You, this is somewhat of a punishment by the NBA ultimately leaving them off a uh, nationally televised Christmas Day game. 
Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure I would use the word punishment, but it's it's in that realm. It's in that like I think that they looked I, I, at the Christmas situation it, and they and they said, you know what, this year Christmas Day probably not the best to use them. I I, I think it's a one year hiatus. <sighs> no, Hopef- hopefully, that's I mean, hope. if you just use your sense about where the Grizzlies have placed themselves the past two years as a team, right? Not just talking about John Moran, Jaron Jackson Jr. Doesn't the Grizzlies have been second in the West each of the last two seasons and have the fourth most wins. In the last two seasons in the NBA. Two playoff performances. One to the second round, one getting beat by the Lakers, who ultimately made it to the Western Conference Finals. So, like, as far as what they've put on the floor, they should be part of a Christmas Day game, ultimately. So, that's why I put this in the punishment category. Um, If you need more proof, John Morant is the big mainstay for the Grizzlies. He is the big draw that the rest of the NBA always stops and watches his entertainment values through the roof. Josh's 25-game suspension will be done by then. And I think if the NBA was trying to push TV ratings out there, the Grizzlies would be a part of it because Ja would be on the floor. Last year's uh, Christmas Day game was the 31st game that the Grizzlies played. He will be back, or at least available, by the time Christmas Day rolls around. And they're still... Even though they could tell a hell of a story, getting John Morant back on the floor for Christmas Day, even though they could tell that story, they're still choosing to leave them out. So I I ultimately view this as the NBA saying, y'all couldn't handle the limelight, we're going to leave you out this time. But you know what? I think there's some silver linings here. I really do. Staying out of the light, the limelight, may not be a bad thing. Think about last year. The Grizzlies set a record for nationally televised games and quite frankly, you had a first-round loss in the playoffs. John ja Morant couldn't get it together. Jaron Jackson Jr. was not great in those, uh, in those games in general on national, national TV. And Dylan Brooks made an ass of himself when they got more nationally televised games and had the, the view of the NBA directly on Memphis. They became villains. They became villains because of how much they were in the light. So I was always told, by my first strength coach at the University of Memphis, Rourke Cutchlow. He's doing some Olympic lifting stuff now. He's, he's, not, he's not coaching, uh, the, doing any football strength coaching anymore at any u- university. But he didn't use these words exactly. He used some expletives. But he says, when I pat you on the back, don't defecate in my hand. Meaning, when I give you something, when I show you love, don't turn around and slap me in the face. Don't make an ass of me for giving you praise. And that's what the Grizzlies did last year. Can we agree on that? I think so. Real quick, I got to throw back at you. I think using defecate makes that statement more powerful. <laughs> but, I, I but think it has more. I think of a you punch. can tell. Do you, you know what he? You know, th- you know the word he used. Maybe. Yeah. I feel. Yeah. I feel like I can. I don't have to be Sherlock Holmes here. When I pat you on the back, don't defecate in my hand. And I feel like that's what the Grizzlies did to them. You give them a nationally televised record for a Grizzlies franchise, and ultimately they became villains. John Moran has a 25-game suspension in response. Jaron Jackson Jr. struggled in those games. Like, there's a lot of reasons that the Grizzlies did not hold up their end of the bargain. So it makes sense for them to be somewhat, and I'm going to use the word even though I don't think it's perfect, but there's there's a reason they're being quote-unquote punished. It's a bit of a timeout. Yes. It's a timeout, and and we'll, we'll move forward. But the silver lining here for me, they couldn't handle the limelight in a lot of ways. They couldn't handle being at the, at the front and center in NBA discussions 
in a lot of ways. So take this time to be the underappreciated, less-seen great team in the NBA. That's what works best for Memphis, ultimately. You like the underdog story, the grit and grind. Do it in the dark. Ja always talks about getting work done in the dark. But what you do, now that you're not, uh, Christmas Day, you know, center of the NBA universe looking at you on Christmas Day, show the work, put your head down, stay out of the news, and win ballgames. That's the silver lining you need to have. I don't care how many times they're on national national TV. Win ball games. Stay out of the news. Stop having the negative attention center on Memphis. And then, here in the future, if you're able to accomplish all those things, you'll be right back in the position you were last year. Right. It's one of those situations where we've heard the front office and many of the players, including Jaw, talk about how they need to refocus as, a, as an entire team. And this is one of those things that can help them refocus because when you look at it on paper, when you just look at the stats, when you look at the rosters, how many wins the Grizzlies have had over the last few years, it makes no sense why they're not playing on Christmas Day game. But when you bring in all the storylines and the things happening off the court, it makes a little sense why the Grizzlies aren't playing on Christmas Day. Like you said, last year it really felt like that the NBA was trying to prop up the Grizzlies as the next great team in the NBA, which I still think that they are going to be. I don't think that that is One of the best young cores still. But they certainly weren't ready for the limelight yet. A lot of that was Dylan Brooks and John Morant, two things that you hope this season aren't going to be present because, one, Dylan Brooks isn't here anymore, not our problem anymore. That whole We don't even have to talk about what happened to the team for right. Canada games. We sold our stock on Dylan Brooks Island. We, we made about you know 50 times profit because of the contract that he got, so shout out to yes. all of us. And the John Morant thing, you hope that he's going to come back better than ever. I also think there's a bit to it. Yeah, it'd be the 31st game, something like that, that the Grizzlies would be playing this year if it was a Christmas Day game. They still might want him to ramp up a little bit more before he gets to a Christmas Day game. You know what I mean? They might not want to put that pressure on John Morant's coming back, Christmas Day, everybody's going to have their eyeballs on him. Every move he's going to make is going to get criticized. It would. I could see them, you know, not doing a, a you know, doing something for Ja, but I could see them saying, let's take but, him out of this situation, and it, yes, it may be best for him right now. But you can acknowledge if Ja was going to be on the floor for Christmas Day, it'd the eyeballs, huge. the oh, TV ratings, huge. it would be yeah. driven, and that's what the NBA wants ultimately. So leaving him off of, of Christmas Day certainly tells you a story about them not wanting him to be out there, them not wanting the Grizzlies to fall into the same trap they did last year. And Jaron Jackson Jr. has talked about this all, whole offseason. We've been humbled. Be humbled. Show the work. Win games. And I know the the main reaction in in the fan base is, oh, this is disrespect. But don't think of it that way. It doesn't matter how many times you're on national TV. It doesn't. Ultimately, if they show again, get to the top of the Western Conference, get one of those protected top four seeds, I don't think anyone gives a damn on the back end how many times you were on national television. If you played on Christmas Day, no one cares about that. So just get back to being the underappreciated team, the team that's not always going to be at the center of attention. And honestly, the center of attention last year was a lot of negativity. Get back to being that team that's a little underappreciated, and I think that, that that's a good place for this team to be at at this moment. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the history of 
Grizzlies teams and the way that they are spoken about in the national media. Last year, worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can over Overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. It's really the first time it felt like the Grizzlies were forefront in a lot of the conversations. And we can be honest about it. It wasn't very fun. <laughs> it wasn't very fun. A lot of really dumb conversations happened about the Grizzlies that just turned out either to be not true, a lot of rumors about trades, a lot of rumors about fight, all that kind of stuff. You know, it, it is sometimes the grass isn't always greener on the other side when it comes to getting more national media attention. Um, and to be quite honest, whenever there is a national game, I'm watching our local broadcasts anyway because right. it doesn't get better than those guys. It just straight up does not get better. Unless we get cut off, which always is annoying. Sure, that's always annoying, but it doesn't get better than them, so I'm always watching them anyway. I do, all that being said, though, I fully understand the frustration from the fan base. You want to be able to watch your team on Christmas Day. It is a special thing. And the Grizzlies are a franchise that I do think have earned that attention. Now it is just about can they handle that attention. Like you said, this is a bit of a timeout. It's a hiatus for a year. Let's see. Let's get let's get it together this year a little bit. Let's see Ja get back into the fold of things. Let him get back to what we know he can be, and we fully expect him to be able to do that. And hopefully they'll pop up on that game next year. Now, all that being said, I do still expect them to be pretty, you know, prevalent in the national games for the season. It just may not be on Christmas Day. And I also wouldn't be surprised if they're backloaded a little bit, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, and it's completely fine. There's nothing to there's nothing to be super offended about. Just move on. And this team wins games, everything's fine. Well, we've also seen this group of guys use a situation like this for motivation. We have seen it over and over and over again. Hopefully they turn this into motivation and they come out swinging because they feel disrespected. The teams in the past, this group in the past, have always responded well to that. Maybe, you know, that could be a positive spin of this. Hey, they were disrespected for Christmas Day. Go out and prove why you should have been in those games. Go out and bury all these teams when you play them. Yes, it's simple. It's simple. Now, which of these games are you most excited for? Which which game do you not give a damn? Which game do you not care about? There's one game I don't really... The Mavs is what really jumps off the page for me. I just... The one you don't care about? I mean, I don't... I'm not not overly enthused about what the Mavs are going to put out this year. They, I, they've made themselves better around the edges. You know, they, they, they have more defensive pieces. They added Grant Williams. Like, I like all that. But the Mavericks last year were terrible. 
They were awful once they added Kyrie Irving. I don't know if they've earned this. <laughs> I mean, I understand like the the, the star power they have. Um, the one I'm most excited for, though, I, I mean, Warriors Nuggets is probably the one you'd have to point to. Warriors have that championship DNA. You're going to have Chris Paul out there, and then the Nuggets just won a championship. So, like, I, I like that for Western Conference purposes. What about you? I see. I actually have some interest in the Mavericks and Suns because that Suns team is so weird. Yeah, I'm going to want to watch them as much as I can, and seeing them up close on Christmas Day is going to be interesting. I also think that Luca might be able to expose that team a little bit because we've talked I, about what are they going to do on the defensive perimeter. I'm curious to see is how it, low is it Bucks Knicks sort of the one that you're. Seventy Sixers heap. Don't okay. care. Just oh, okay. don't care. I, I just. I really don't care, man. It's I. I the the. I guess they're doing this. Yes, the Heat made it to the finals. I guess that's why they're getting a Christmas Day game. It also feels like they're assuming that Dame's going to be there for this game. I would have to bet that's what one of, one of the things the NBA is betting on. I don't know. I just I don't have really any ties to the 76ers. You know, we got our guy Melton up there. I'm always yeah. rooting for him. But I don't know. They're just they're kind of whiny when they play. Joel Embiid's falling down all the time. I like they're watching Joel game. play, but it's not like it's not fun basketball watching the 76ers in the heat, if you know what I mean. It's going to be a dog fight. It's probably not going to be a high-scoring game. Joel Embiid at the free throw if line. Dame's there, no less if than Dame's there, maybe 16 I have, times. Right. If Dame's there, maybe I have a little bit more interest, but I don't know. I just He's going to be there, I think right? Probably. <laughs> probably. Probably going to be maybe. there. Yeah. But I think Bucks knicks is going to be a good game. Celtics-Lakers is probably the one I'm looking forward to the most. Um, I would say Warriors-Nuggets is my second most looked forward to game, though. I'm really excited about that one, too. Now, we did have a story yesterday about Phil Mickelson and what he has bet in the past. <laughs> $1 billion Insane. in three decades. And I mentioned it was like a 1,000 different bets of 110,000 or more. He's got a clear betting issue. And I have to give a shout-out to Mark Giannato, who's on uh, Giannato and Jeffrey every single day. And you can find all of his work at the Commercial Appeal. He's a columnist there. But he asked Rory about Phil's gambling issues. Did you see... Rory McIlroy and the response he gave to Mark here? I didn't. So Mark said, the talk of the golf world is this book excerpt that came out about Phil Mickelson. I'm curious what's your reaction, what the reaction in there was when you read about it. Rory says, at least he can bet on the Ryder Cup now this year because he won't be a part of it. Oh! <laughs> we're, throw- we're throwing... We're throwing swords. We're throwing stones. How about it? I like I like a little back and forth. That's fun. That's fantastic. That's fun. Well, because we know how he feels about this whole live golf situation. It's not like he's been Phil Mickelson too. Hiding it in the past, what five years? Maybe three years. He has castigated himself from the rest of the PGA Tour and all of the players he may have, you know, seemingly been a little closer to at the time. Like he, they do not like him anymore. And I think that's, a, you know, the general public has, has come around. Phil Mickelson was always the happy-go-lucky guy. This was, everybody knew he was a better. They didn't know the extent of it, of course. So, like, everybody seemed to love him at a moment. That is all flipped on its head. And it just seems like everyone is sort of against Phil Mickelson in a lot of ways. You know, I'm not, I'm not passing judgment on Phil by saying this, but it's just pretty clear that he's a man who will do stuff for a paycheck. Yes, that well, he's gonna go insider to, trading. Yeah, yeah like, he's going to go. On, that, I'm, I'm not passing judgment, but uh, you know, you write a check. Phil's going to show up. Phil's going to show up. But shout out to Mark for that question. Yeah, and Great I think question. the more the like Phil. One thing that that we didn't quite get to discuss about this story is the more you get in debt 
when it comes to betting, the the farther out you'll go, and that's where the insider trading stuff comes in. That's why he probably likely tried to recover some of his assets and some of his money by going to live golf and, and sort of smearing his own image uh, in the process. He doesn't seem to care about image. He, he seems to care about money, and, and that's where this comes from. But if he bet a little less, maybe he'd be able to be able to handle himself a little bit better monetarily. He is still very rich. He is still very rich. Very rich. Let's man. not let's yes. not let's not act like that. And I again, I still stand by what I said yesterday. Outside of betting on the Ryder Cup, I'm not going to tell a a hundred millionaire what to do with his money. Yeah, I, the he, Ryder and, Cup's and he, the only. And he's still set in his ways. Like Phil Mickelson's going to continue to bet. Like this is <laughs> nothing's going to change. People are going. How many times do you think in his career people have tried to approach him about the gambling problem he has, and he probably just sort of shrugs him off and moves about his daily life. Probably a lot. Yeah. Uh, well, I bet. I bet at some point people just gave up. You know. It's, it's, yeah. You know. He's 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 fine. It's no. I think that we've made it very clear that we have absolutely no problem with ga- people gambling. Gambles. You know, as much as you want. If you need some help, call those numbers. But you know, he's not calling as those long numbers. As, as he's definitely Phil, not. Phil ain't he's calling those not. numbers anytime soon. But as long as you're not betting on your own sport, I got no with, problem. But with he it. did. But he tried. That's to, why. At least. He that's tried why to. I said I got yep. a problem with yes. that one. The yes. other ones are fine. Forty-three bets on baseball in a single day is pretty nuts. Honestly, seeing that in person would have been like watching. <laughs> it would have been pretty incredible to see. Um, it's got to be a lot of over-unders or live bets, yeah. right? Like, how does that happen? Yeah, a, bunch, a bunch of live bets. I mean, we're talking about 12, 13. He probably has the most insane parlays you've ever seen. <laughs> this is how I win. <laughs> he, you think he bets on cricket? Please. Maybe, who knows? Probably some cricket in there, some rugby. A little Chinese basketball. Why not? Pickleball. Yeah. <laughs> can you bet on pickleball? I know it's getting I'm popular sure you in the can. States. You can. Hey. I, dude, you can bet on anything. You can bet on anything. <laughs> and, and, and I'll say this. either I mean, he either had a bookie or an offshore book that for the first two decades of his, well, really, since the last three, he had to have some type of offshore book where you're betting on insane things. I bet being right? his book past three decades, gig, not a bad gig either. Yeah, if he lost $100 million, I'd feel pretty good about <laughs> making that $100 million off him. I do want to add this context, though, because I saw this yesterday. And there's a little context to, like, Phil making the $110,000 per unit bets he was making. It's not good, but when you put it into this sort of context... It makes a little more sense. Not a lot more sense, but a little more sense. He was making roughly $60 million a year over those, you know, two, three decades. A $110,000 per unit bet is the equivalent of someone who makes $100,000 per year betting $150 per game unit-wise. So, like, when you put it in that context, it's a little different. Now, he was making, what, what did he make, 3,000 bets in the year of 20, 2011? So, like, that, I mean, if you're... If you're a hundred thousand, if you're a person making a hundred thousand and you make three thousand one hundred and sixty four or whatever it was, one hundred and fifty dollars bets, you're probably not. Doing, I mean, you're probably betting a little bit over your over your head. But I think there's a little bit of context. That, that context helps at least a tad bit, doesn't it? It helps when you're talking about one bet. Yeah, as soon as it turns right, into two, yeah. you're like, ah, I don't yeah. know about that. And it helps three, from four. a per unit standpoint. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but. <laughs> But if you're making nine bets a day I mean, like dude, he was at one point. A $150 bet still gives me a but, cold sweat. Yeah, but, true. But if you're making nine bets a day at $150 and you're making a hundred grand, you're not you're not doing yourself any favors. And I <laughs> Phil was not doing himself any favors betting as much as he was over the years and probably is still betting that amount. The stories of him having just like hand signals and like, you know, nonverbal things to people that set up bets while he's playing, is that's just incredible. Incredible degenerate behavior right there. Just like a head yeah. nod is like a well, $1,000 bet. 
It's incredible. I mean, there were guys like standing off the green. He was betting on putts. He's betting on putts he was going to make or not make. And there's guys standing off the green handing him money while he's going hole to hole. Like it was, it's, it's not good. It's not good. But hey, Phil Mickelson, he ain't changing. He's not changing anytime soon. I do want to get that that message over. I'd take the change from his bets. I'll tell you that. <laughs> that's true. The roundups. That's true. Let me hold those dollars. Now we know more about the Pac-12 as of today or as of last night. Um, there was a report put out about discussions between the Pac-12 and ESPN and more of the discussion about having themselves only to blame for last week's events and all of the Pac-12 teams defecting. Um, this report, though, has come out, and it shines even more light on the fact that they have shot themselves in the foot. We'll talk about it when we return on the Gabe Kuhn Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Kuhn Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. Back in on the Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. We have talked a whole lot about realignment. Wheels keep spinning. Slowing down, though. I feel like it's all slowing down to a certain extent. With the ACC not really wanting to bring on Stanford and Cal. We'll see what the Mountain West, the AAC does in response to that. Maybe the Big 12 could get involved again. I mean, it doesn't seem like they're, um, they're done completely. But we'll see what happens with it. But we do have more details on the Pac-12 turn Pac-4 front. I have said throughout this entire process, the Pac-12 really has no one to blame but themselves. Whether it was Larry Scott as the commissioner, George Klyavkov as the commissioner, the presidents and chancellors uh, approving things or or uh, disapproving things. I I, I sort of look at what they have done throughout this process. They could have had Texas. They could have had Oklahoma, theoretically. When the Big 12 had Texas and Oklahoma taken from them, they could have tried to expand and find things to do, but they were worried about their AAU status and their academic status. And there was this elitist thought process about where they were at, but they lose USC and UCLA. They lose the number two market in the entire country, TV market in the entire country. And now they're left with four teams after the Big 12 rated and the Big 10 rated. And we got another bit of reporting from John Canzano, who does a lot of work, knows a lot of the higher-ups at the Pac-12. But he says, via his reporting, the Pac-12 had an offer from ESPN of $30 million per school in the fall of 2022. So ESPN came to them and said, we want your games. $30 million per year, even without USC and UCLA. We want to have the Pac-12 on our network at $30 million per year. If you'll remember, the Big 12 signed a similar deal with ESPN and Fox worth $31.7 million per year. It was basically the same deal that the Big 12 ultimately got. But the presidents and chancellors wanted more. President and chancellors of the Pac-12 schools came back to ESPN. They said they wanted to up the pot. We want $50 million per year. ESPN's response, goodbye. 
and there was no more negotiating there done. And the Big 12 ends up getting that deal, and they've expanded. They've taken away from the Pac-12, and the Pac-12 is left with four schools, Stanford, Cal, Oregon State, and Washington State, out in the dark looking for places to go. It's amazing. This entire time I've talked about an elitist attitude. I've talked about them shooting themselves in the foot. And you see through this reporting from John Canzano that they still had an elite view of themselves. This overarching, just inflated ego, even when they lost the number two TV market in the country. The Big 12 could have been them, but they have they've lacked foresight. They haven't even tried through this process. And, and once Oregon and Washington got taken away and all these schools got taken away, they say, okay, now we're in the business of expanding. And George Klyavkov has mentioned as, as much. It's too late. I, I just find it amazing that they thought, even without the number two market in the country. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. TV market in the country in L.A. that they thought they were worth $50 million a year from a TV contract, TV media rights deal perspective. It's amazing to me. It's mind-numbing. It's mind-numbing. It makes absolutely no sense why they looked at that deal from ESPN, which, to be quite honest, seemed extremely fair after you lost your, the second-largest market in the country, and they were still like, here's a, here's a deal that can get y'all $30 million per school. And they acted like it was an insult. $50 million as a counteroffer is insane. That's insane. Have they never been to a negotiating table before? Have they never watched Pond Stars? What's going on here? I don't understand how that was their next offer to ESPN. I don't blame ESPN for walking away. And it makes the – it also puts into perspective why they thought the Apple deal looked a little bit better than it was. Right. Because 25 – they were like, oh, we, get, we can get 25. We can get up to 25 per school. That was only five from the one that we turned down. But it was Apple TV. You weren't going to have the subscribers. It, that number was never going to be reached. So it makes more sense to me now why the Pac-12 thought – Oh, okay. Well, maybe maybe the Apple TV one will get these schools to stay because it's something. But it's just they shot themselves in the foot. Hubris killed them. You had ten schools in the pack in the pack twelve at that point once USC and UCLA law uh, left, and you lost your biggest market by far. And you weren't even trying to expand at the moment to add value to that TV media rights deal. I don't blame ESPN for stepping away and saying, absolutely not. You're not worth that. Because you're not worth that. You're not. Oregon and Washington, that's, that's what you're trying to hold yourself up to? Oregon and Washington left for the Big Ten just now, and they're going to take less to join the Big Ten. It was a value add, I think, long term, but not in the current state. You have to build up these rivalries in the Big Ten. You already had built-in rivalries in the Pac-12. But you, being as high and mighty as you thought you were, thought that we don't have, we, we have all we need. We don't have to go expand. We don't have to add value. And ESPN saw that and said, guys, I don't want to get into business with you if you think that you have all you need because you don't. 
the future of college athletics is being run by TV conglomerates, and we can talk and get blue in the face about how annoying that is and how bothersome it can be just to chase the bag consistently. But this is where we're headed, and the Pac-12 clearly has denied that and, and denied the fact that they needed to add value the entire time. It's just it's frustrating because now, through fault of their own, an 108-year history is erased. Gone. And I can't. I can't even blame the TV media rights. I can't even blame the TV conglomerates for it. I can only blame Pac-12 and their lack of foresight and this high and mighty elitist attitude they've had this entire time when talking about college athletics. If you're a fan of a Pac-12 school and you're mourning the loss of the Pac-12, this would make this would make me furious. It yeah. made me absolutely furious because you could have had so... the deal that the, the, the Big 12 did. And and that deal, speaking of. Because of revenue e- increases as the deal goes on, could be worth up to $50 million per school by the end of it. And this is why Brett Yormark deserves a lot of credit, right? Yeah, absolutely. He came in and he was working with just the worst set of circumstances in the world. He lost Texas and Oklahoma, his biggest money makers, but he didn't sit on his hands. He knew where this was headed, he knew it was TV networks controlling the entire narrative. And he did what they wanted because he wants his league to survive. You can't say the same for George Klyapkov. You can't say the same for presidents and chancellors in the Pac-12. They didn't even make an effort to try to meet ESPN halfway. They said, pay us something we're not worth. Doing a tr- And ESPN stepped away because they are not worth that. Countering with $20 million more than what they offered you is insane. That's an insane counteroffer. It makes absolutely no sense. I might be completely wrong in this, but to me this f- feels like that when UCLA and USC left, their egos got hurt, and they said, we're going to get a deal that makes them miss us, <laughs> that makes them wish they didn't leave. They're not going to miss and you. That's what, because why else would they do that? Why else wouldn't you take that deal? I don't understand it. Because Everybody be, knew where this was headed. Why don't you take it? Because of what I've just said. They haven't inflated. They've, they've right. had it's the throughout egos. the process this inflated view and ego. They have this inflated view of themselves, and they're not that. You haven't been all that good in football. And they, what I really hate is this year is they are going to be good in football. And everything outside of football is going to distract from actually what's going on on the field. You're going to watch an Oregon versus Washington game and realize that they're headed to the Big Ten next year. It's going to be Bo Nix versus Michael Penix, two guys that are in the top ten as far as shortest odds to win the Heisman. But it's going to be hard to pay attention to that considering Washington and Oregon are Big Ten schools now. Pac-12, man, there, there comes a time where you have to make concessions that the Big 12 clearly was ready to make. And the Pac-12 was not ready to make any type of concession, and this is why they are landed in this just miserable, unfortunate, awful spot. It's frustrating. It's very frustrating. But when you look on the field, they are going to be good this year. Pac-12. They, well, <laughs> but that's, frustrating. And that's the cruel irony of all of this, is that it could be a, a good year for the Pac-12, and then gone. Not could be. It will be a good year. Like, I mean, we're talking about six, seven, eight schools down. You have DJU starting at Oregon State. Oregon State's left out. Washington State has Cam Ward at quarterback. They're left out of the party. Then you have Bo Nix and Michael Penix and Shador Sanders at Colorado. 
I can't believe they couldn't capitalize in this moment. I can't believe it. Did they? I, I just, I don't understand why they thought they deserved $50 million. I know that we keep saying that it's it's the egos and, and the the high education and all that stuff. It, all of that makes sense to me when you're, when you're talking about it. But when you actually think about it, they thought that they deserved SEC type of money, which is just insane. That's insane to think about. You just lost your fan base is not as rabid, and you lost the number two TV market. I don't know how they even rationalized that in their brain. I don't know how they did that, but they did. It's just it's so unfortunate that we are losing a historic conference because of negligent. Leadership, pure, pure negligence, negligent leadership. That's the only we are losing and, and, a hundred-year-old conference because of the egos of old men that couldn't come to a deal when thirty million dollars was offered to them. And what's frustrating is, I think in this day and age, you it's have, infuriating. You have to separate athletics and academics. You really do have to. And, and, and they were not willing to do that ever. Yeah, they wanted the AAU certification. They wanted to make sure if they're going to bring anybody into this conference, which they weren't even thinking about expanding, but if they were going to bring anybody into this conference, you better be a higher learning institution. Where did that get you? You know what ESPN isn't airing? The spelling bee from these universities. <laughs> they don't give a damn, y'all. They don't, they don't care. I get, listen, in a lot of ways, I reject where we're headed. It's all about TV money running college sports. Like, I, I hate that. It stinks. But if you're trying to keep yourself alive, you have to accept it. And there was never a level of acceptance from the Pac-12. And you just end up in this miserable spot where you have, I mean, the blood, truthfully, is on Larry Scott's hands, on George Klyavkov's hands, on all the presidents and chancellors' hands. They have to live with this. They have to sit back and realize that they killed the Pac-12. That cannot be a fun feeling at this point. I, 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 it's, it's beyond me that this type of reporting is out there now. We offered you $30 million. We offered you what the Big 12 had. You said no, so we gave it to the Big 12. That is as simple as, as this story is. What do you, how do you think the Big 12 reacted when they found out that they turned that down? They were like, they did what? Thank God. Thank <laughs> they were, God. They did what? We were, I mean, fall of 2022, we were talking about the Big 12 imploding. Yes, completely. we were having these conversations about, about the Big 12, and the Pac-12 threw them the biggest life raft that has ever been invented. Like, you give credit to Brett Yormark, but at the same time, Brett Yormark won because of the negligence of everybody in the Pac-12. Right? I mean, it's... He it's, stayed ready. He stayed ready. It's insane. <laughs> it's insane. And, and, like, it's a dog-eat-dog world, right, in, in, in college athletics and football in particular. You didn't want to go raid the, the Big 12 because you were scared of killing them. As soon as they got the deal, what did they do? They killed you. They killed you. You, you thought it was going to be sweet. You thought everybody was going to... Be, you know, happy-go-lucky about this hold hands kumbaya. No, it's not how this works. When money is on the table, people do things to let, make themselves survive at the expense of others. And that's what you've seen the Big 12 do now. That The, the Pac-12 passed up on this offer and basically gave it to the Big 12. Big 12 said, I, I don't care. We were in this position a year ago. You guys didn't want to uh, – we, we didn't get help in that moment. So we're going we're gonna to return the favor. When that amount of money 
is being discussed. Your feelings do not matter. Feelings just don't matter. It's not personal. It's strictly business. Yep. That is the mindset that you have to go into this stuff with, and that's what the Big 12 did and the Pac-12 did, and that's why we're here. Now, on an actual football field front, like what's actually going to happen on the field this year, um, it's just been announced by Billy Napier at Florida that Graham Mertz, transfer from Wisconsin, is going to be the starting quarterback at Florida. How about that? No Jack Miller. He's not going to transfer from Ohio State. He's not going to be the starter. It's going to be Graham Mertz, who, if you've been watching the last two years, has been uh, not great. He's been not great. Oh, good. He's 6'3", 227, and I thought he had, you know, in his first year um, starting at Wisconsin in the COVID year, I thought he had a little bit of promise, threw for uh, 1,238 yards, 9 TDs, 5 INTs. He followed that up with a 10 TD to 11 INT year, and then last year in a step back that ultimately got Paul Chris fired, 19 TDs to 10 INTs. This Florida team – I know that there's a lot of people rooting for Billy Napier to get it turned around. Dan Mullen didn't recruit at a high level. He put them in a really bad position, in a world of hurt in a lot of ways. And Billy Napier's trying to bring that back, trying to bring Florida back to national relevance. But Graham Mertz running out this there this year, I don't have high hopes on what they're going to be able to get accomplished. I've seen a decent enough sample size of him at Wisconsin to know that he's middle of the pack to bottom half in the SEC when it comes to quarterbacking. And that's, a, that's, not, that's, not going to, that's not going to get Florida back to national relevance. Oh, that's music to my ears. Absolutely <laughs> music to my ears. <sighs> I, I very much dislike Florida football. Very much right. dislike them. Okay. That's great to hear. Middle of the pack, great. Stay right there. It, it, that's got to be frustrating for Florida fans, though, man. Oh, yeah, got to be. I mean, like, when you look at the history well, of that program what's, and what's, what they've been able to be in the, in the, the 21st century. The Mullen era w- had to have been extremely frustrating because you're in Florida. It's easy to recruit to Florida, and he wasn't able to get it done. It, it, know what's crazy, too, about that whole saga? It's not that he wasn't able to get it done. He didn't want to get it done. He didn't prioritize recruiting. And in this day and age of the SEC, you have to prioritize it, right? Unless you're at Vanderbilt or something like that where you have to build up from the, from the ground these three stars relative known names on the, on the recruiting trail, then you can start to – sort of ignore the recruiting part of this thing. Dan Mullen truly just didn't want to be out on the road recruiting. And, like, people have had questions about him being an NFL OC because he doesn't have to do that, and I think he's got a good offensive system. It led Dak Prescott to being uh, that Mississippi State team being number one in the country for a couple of weeks, right? But what he did at Florida, you have to recruit. You can't sit on your hands and expect everything to come to you. And a lot of these – I mean, Florida, in, in, in the grand scheme, kind of does recruit itself. They have a stronghold. I mean, Florida State uh, does their own cooking. But Florida State, before Mike Norvell, was in a bad spot. Right. Florida recruited itself at that time, and he still couldn't get it done because he just didn't have the care to do it. Billy Napier's trying, but it's just not ultimately getting there. And I think there's going to be questions if the Billy Napier era doesn't work out. Do you go at a, at a place like Florida and get a guy from the group of five? Like, is that – is that where the, we've seen it work out in certain certain aspects, but from the SEC perspective, it's just it's going to be hard going into the future if Billy Napier doesn't work out to make that type of move. Yeah, it feels like if this doesn't work out, they're going to have to go out and pay for a big name. You got to. You have to stop the bleeding while it's happening. And they can. They can. That's yeah, they thing. can afford it. Yeah, and they, like and it, their NIL collective is great. They have plenty of resources at their, their disposal, but it's just not 
doesn't seem to be headed in the right direction. Now, we'll see what it actually looks like when he gets on a field. Graham Mertz, uh, again, Graham Mertz being named the starter. That's where this conversation started. We'll see how it looks, but I don't have high hopes. I really don't. Good. Yeah. Now, uh, Jeff Calkins is scheduled to join the show next. We'll go ahead and get to a break and talk to him after said break right here on 92.9 FM ESPN. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.